Of course, this is Christmas season, and during Christmas we like to give gifts and things. And I wanted to ask you all a question. Has anyone ever given someone a puppy for Christmas? Got one? All right, one person give. Anybody ever received a puppy for Christmas? All right, now y'all have seen, I was hoping that was the case. Most people don't do that. But have y'all seen the commercials where people give puppies for Christmas? Where they have this cute little furry puppy that's got huge paws and it's just so adorable and it's in a box. And as soon as the kids come in, it kind of peeks its head through the box and it's got a bow on it. And then it bounds out and starts kissing them and licking everybody. Everybody's just so happy because they got a puppy. Have you ever actually tried to stick a puppy in a box? <laughs> Don't do that. The Humane Society frowns upon it. But you can't put a puppy in a box. They're, 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 they like to run around. They like to make noise. They whimper. They play. They, they go to the bathroom anywhere. And so putting a puppy in the box is not a wise thing to do, especially, you know, a week before Christmas, wrap it up and put it under the tree. You can't do that. If you do try to put it in the box, you've got to do it like three seconds before the kids come in and just sit there holding the box that's whimpering and whining. And then as soon as it jumps in, of course, it, it goes and it licks everybody and kisses everybody. And, man, puppies, man, they just, they, they make you smile, don't they? Uh, this week I almost, I almost got another puppy and I almost got a divorce. <laughs> but I, I was here and, uh, and uh, they were, they were uh, the people who do the parking lot were out here. They were uh, snow blowing the sidewalks and everything, and, and I heard him, and I came out to see, see what he was doing and talk to him, and there was a, a cute puppy right at the door. And I thought, oh, look at that, just black, beautiful black puppy, obviously a mutt puppy. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a mutt puppy guy. I don't, purebreds, I'm like, why are you wasting your money? There's plenty of cheap dogs at the pound, and they're better dogs, and they're healthy dogs, and they don't die of cancer at age 10. You know, they're, they're, they're dogs the way God intended them to do. And, you know, it used to be a, la- you'll have a Labrador, right? Labrador used to be a mutt. Now it's purebred. Uh, but so, you know, and there's this little mutt puppy there, and I open the door, and he just runs right in. And so I pick him up, and I'm play, playing with him, and he's just he's licking me all over. And I go out, and I talk to the guy who's plowing. I was like, is this your dog? He's like, no, that's not my dog. It was here. And I got here, and I thought, Jesus gave me a puppy. <laughs> Woo! And so I'm in the foyer. I'm playing with this puppy, and all of a sudden somebody drives up, and they come up, and they say, hey, have you seen a dog? Like, no, I have not seen a dog. <laughs> I don't know where your dog is, so I had to give them their puppy. And I was like, man, I was so excited. I told April, I almost got a puppy. She goes, you almost got a divorce. But puppies, man, they're just, they're so much fun. They just, they, they, no, matter who, no matter what, they just, they love you. They lick all over you, and they're, 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 it's, it's contagious. You get a puppy, you want to take that puppy everywhere. You want to show it to everybody. And the, the happiness that they bring is contagious. And joy is a lot like puppies. It's not as hairy. And it's not as messy, but joy is contagious. Joy is something that when we have and we experience true, lasting joy, it's something we want to share with as many people as we can. See, joy in our life, true joy in our life, it overflows and it touches everyone it comes in contact with. And joy is what we're celebrating this third week of Advent. Now, if you've been following along with us for the last couple weeks, of course, we've, we've been in the, se- the season of Advent and uh, during this Christmas season. And Advent means coming or arrival. It is the season that is marked by anticipation, by expectation and longing. During Advent, we share 
in the ancient longing for the coming Messiah that Jesus, that God gave to, to, to us in Genesis chapter 3 when he promised Adam and Eve that he would send a Redeemer. And for thousands of years, the ancient Jews longed for that Messiah to come and, and redeem them and once and for all crush the head of Satan and give them back their, their, their home with God the Father. And so the, we join in the ancient longing of the Messiah. We, we celebrate, of course, the birth of Christ, but we also look forward to that glorious day when Jesus will come back to receive us to himself. We look back thanking God that he did come, but we look forward waiting for God to come. Advent looks back in the celebration at the fulfilled hope in Jesus Christ as his coming as a baby in Bethlehem. But at the same time, it looks forward in hopeful anticipation at the coming of Christ's kingdom when he returns for his people. And each week of Advent, we, we celebrate and we look at uh, a different attribute of God in the coming of Jesus. We look at the hope, the peace, the joy, and the love that we, that we have and can experience because God is with us. Because Jesus, or God with us, he is the embodiment of all these traits, and he entered the world to fill us with every single one of them. So this morning, as we look at joy... Look in Luke chapter number 1, starting in verse number 26. <clears throat> and in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into the city of Galilee, and Na of Naz named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, and of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came unto her and said, Hail thou, hail thou art, that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. That's, that's a very fancy way of saying, she's saying, what? What are you talking about, Willis? Verse number 30, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth... She also hath conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah. And entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me that the morning that the mother of the Lord should come unto me? For lo, as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. This morning, as we continue to celebrate Advent, let's look at the joy that God brings us, but more importantly, see what that joy does in our life. First thing we notice here is joy overcomes shame. 
Joy overcomes shame. During the first week of Advent, we looked at hope. We, we looked at the story of Zacharias and Elizabeth and the announcement of their son or the, the birth of their son, John the Baptist. And this, this, of course, was an incredible birth, an incredible announcement, because Zacharias and Elizabeth were, were old. They were too old to have children. The Bible says right here that she was barren. She was called barren. And so she was unable to have children when God sent an angel to her to tell her, you're going to have a child, but not just any child. You're going to have a child that is the prophesied son that's going to be the forerunner of Jesus to, to prepare the way of the Messiah to come to earth. And the story of God with us, Elizabeth, when she received the news of, that she's going to be a mother, she experienced incredible joy. But to understand her joy, we have to understand a little bit about her pain. And Elizabeth, of course, for the ancient Jews, children were a blessing. They, now, they're supposed to be now, and sometimes they can be. I mean, let's be honest. Kids can be a blessing. They can make you want to commit murder. You know, last Sunday, of course, we, it was a snow day, and so we're at home, and uh, we had to cancel church, and we're, me and April are at home, and the kids were just, you know, I'll be honest with you, they were getting on my nerves. And I told April, I said, do you think we should, like, rent an apartment, just a one-bedroom apartment for us, so that we can go stay there every once in a while when they're just getting on our nerves? Not even a, just a room. Can we just get a place where we can get away from these kids every once in a while? Because sometimes they're not a blessing. But to the ancient Jew, they, they were a sign of God's blessing. Psalms 127.3 says, Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of his womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. See, children, they allowed a family to pass on its name and pass on its heritage. They provided more workers to help handle the daily tasks of life. And listen, some of us parents, we need to get better about that. Your kids need to help you around the house. You know, a couple weeks ago, me and April, our dishwasher died. It's the third time we've replaced it in the last year. And so finally, she, I'm like, I'm not getting another one. We're going to save up and buy a new one. We're not, I'm tired of getting these, you know, $40, $50, $60 ones that last us three months. I'm tired. Of, I can change the stupid dishwasher in my sleep now. I'm done. And so she's like, well, what are we, how are we going to wash dishes? The same way I washed this when I was a kid, with your hands and water. And, how, and, and both of us were like, man, we don't want to wash this. And I thought, you know what? We have children. <laughs> and so they have learned to wash dishes. I mean, I was telling April the other day, I was like, you know what? I don't think we need a dishwasher. We got three of them, and they're doing pretty good at this thing. And so you need to teach your kids to help out around the house. And look, you, if you've got kids that are able, you should be doing all the work. They ought to do some of the work. They ought to do most of it. Amen. I'm now starting to get them to fold laundry and put it up. And that's, you know, that's usually Fred's job, but I'm having them fold towels and start to learn how to do stuff. And you ought to do that. You ought to, you know, but kids back then, they were, they were a blessing because they could help you work. They could help you in the fields. They could help you around the house. They, they spread out the labor of a household. They helped you increase your craft and, exp and expand your livelihood. But most importantly, children were viewed as a gift from God and a sign of God's blessing and God's favor. So to be childless was a, a source of shame. It was a source of frustration. It was a source of sorrow. And Elizabeth had known the despair of being childless for years. 
She probably married Zacharias as a young teenage girl, expecting to immediately start their family and start having children, expanding and having God's blessing on their life. And so they would have hoped right away for children. And Elizabeth, she probably started her life out wanting a house filled with children. She would have dreamed of holding her own babies. They may have had names picked out from, from, their, from their family lineage about how they, what would they, they would name their kids. And at first, she may have dismissed not having children so early on as just, well, it's, it's not the right timing. Maybe she just wasn't the right time for her to conceive. Or, or maybe, like, like many people, there, there was a pregnancy, but she never carried it to term. She experienced the sorrow of a miscarriage. While physically hard and emotionally painful, she might have dismissed it as just a fluke. Maybe there was one, maybe there was two. We don't know. There could have been many. We don't know. All we know is she was barren. She was childless. No matter how many times she may have become pregnant or tried to become pregnant, she, she never was able to hold a child of her own. And family and friends, meaning good, probably tried to encourage her and give her advice, and it probably hurt more than it helped. And I know a lot of women, some of you in here, you experienced that, where someone trying, trying to be good and trying to help you, encourage you to say something, and it just, not meaning to harm, but it just cuts deep. And Elizabeth knew that shame. She knew that, that hurt. Gradually, her hope of having children would have slowly died as she came to terms with the fact that something was wrong and she couldn't have kids. She would be barren for the rest of her life. At some point, the social stigma stuck and she was called barren. It was a permanent and shameful mark for Elizabeth. She probably grieved the loss of never being able to be a mother. She would, have, she would never be considered as worthy or esteemed in the eyes of other women. She accepted her fate as failure in the eyes of society. Now, still, she had, she had happiness. She, she would have been deeply involved in the community, especially with Zacharias being a priest. And though she carried her emotional burden beneath the surface, she and Zacharias, they remained faithful to God. Matter of fact, the Bible says about them in Luke, it says they were righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And that's how they planned to live out their life, serving God and the people around them. But then one day God showed up. Then one day God sent an angel. And God sent an angel to Zacharias and his wife and to tell them they were going to have a son. Not just an ordinary son, but a, a prophesied child, a, a special child, a child that would be used of God to do incredible things. And imagine how Elizabeth must have felt that it wasn't just the hope of maybe she's late this time and it's going to happen, but God himself came to her and said, hey, you're going to have a son and he's going to do great things for God and you're going to be able to hold your own child. And man, the joy that she got to experience knowing that finally God was going to give her a child, hope must have sprung up in her heart. And we know that from Scripture that Elizabeth recognized this as a gift and a blessing from God. She had incredible faith. The Bible says in Luke 1.25, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. And in the sixth month of her pregnancy, Elizabeth experienced a deep encounter with joy when she came in contact with the coming Messiah. Mary, of course, received her own angelic visitor. And shortly after conceiving by the Holy Ghost, she left to go visit Elizabeth. 
and to stay with her cousin for a few months. And as soon as she arrived, the Bible says Elizabeth's baby leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. See, Elizabeth's joy overflowed. And she greeted Mary with a beautiful and insightful blessing. She said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. See, joy was flowing, and true to its nature, joy was contagious. Mary burst into her own song of praise and thanksgiving. And without Mary even having to explain, Elizabeth knew exactly what was happening. More than anyone else in the world was able to, these women understood each other. They understood the miracle that was happening in their bellies. They shared a joy that could not be contained no matter how difficult the circumstances were. They were coming, that they were, they were coming or were facing. Already Emmanuel, or God with us, was unleashing joy on earth. And already his joy was rippling outward to others. When Elizabeth gave birth to John three months later, the joy of her miracle spread throughout the village and spread throughout her family. The Bible says in Luke 1.57, it says, Now Elizabeth's full time came that she should be delivered, and she brought forth a son, and her neighbors and her cousin, cousins heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her, and they rejoiced with her. They shared in the joy that she had because God had blessed her. There is no greater joy than that of a mother holding a newborn child. For Elizabeth, that joy must have been especially overwhelming. She was experiencing a miracle. It was a miracle that healed a lifetime of hurt, a lifetime of pain, a lifetime of disrespect, and a lifetime of shame. Joy cures our shame. Second thing we need to notice, I know joy overcomes shame, but we need to look at the source of our joy. Man, most of us, as we read the scriptures and see the joy that these two women experience, we'd love to, to, to know that type of joy, to, to see the scars of, of shame and the scars of our life and the pain that we've experienced just washed away so dramatically. Now, most likely, we, we still can see that, but we're not going to see it through a miracle, uh, like, like a, a, such an obvious miracle, but the joy that Elizabeth experienced is available to us today as well. This joy was brought into our world by Jesus Christ, God with us. Now, we are living long past his time on earth. He's already been buried. He's already died, been buried, and risen again, and then ascended into heaven. But even though Jesus Christ right now sits at the God, right hand of God the Father, God is still with us, and his joy is still available to us. First Peter says it this way. He says, Whom having not seen, ye love, and whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Joy that is unspeakable, unexplainable, unimaginable, and inexpressible. That is an awesome joy. Look, that is more than just happiness. 
That's more than just, I'm having a great day today, and I feel happy today, and everybody's been good to me today, and I got my coffee on time today, and my parking spot wasn't taken today, and I got a great day. It's more than just happiness. Now, we love to be happy. We love to feel good. But happiness comes and goes as circumstances around us change. Happiness can come from a, a lot of places. Happiness can come from a gift that someone gives you. It can come from uh, your, your favorite team winning a game. Or it can come from a friend visiting. It can come from a lot of different places. But happiness is fleeting. Joy includes happiness, but joy runs much deeper. See, joy is rooted in gratitude. Joy is rooted in hope. Joy comes from God with us. Jesus is the source of our joy. Peter said that the joy we receive from God with us is joy unspeakable and full of glory. And that's the joy that we receive as an inheritance from Jesus Christ. The promise of eternal life gives us that deep joy that fills us that no matter what pain we face on earth, we can still have joy. John 16 says this, and ye now Therefore have sorrow. It's talking about life on earth. And we have sorrow on earth. We have pain on earth. We have sickness on earth. We have heartache on earth. We now shall have sorrow. But I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice. And your joy no man taketh from you. See, as a child of God, no matter what I'm facing on this earth, and how much pain I deal with, how much I have to endure, how much sickness I go through, when I see my Savior face to face in heaven, it's all going to fade away. I'm never going to, I'm not even going to think about it anymore. You know, get all these people talk about, you know, when they, what they're going to do when they get to heaven. I've had people, oh, when I get to heaven, I'm going to fish at the Crystal River for a thousand years. No, you're not. I'm going to go to my mansion. We all say, oh, yeah, I got a mansion over hilltop. Doesn't say you get one. God, Jesus said, in my, house are, in my Father's house are many mansions. Doesn't say we get any. But I'll be honest with you, even if I get a mansion, I'm never going to be in there. You know where I'm going to be? I'm going to be at the feet of Jesus, just thanking him for about a million years. And I've had people, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God why he let me go through that. No, you're not. Because you're not going to care. You're not going to care why you experienced the pain. You're not going to care why you had sorrow on earth. Why? Because you have joy that can never be taken away from you. Why? Because you have God with us. And you are finally in his presence, receiving his promise. Look, that only comes for those who've experienced God's salvation. See, too many people on earth, they're looking for joy, they're looking for happiness in all the wrong places, and they're going to die a Christless death and go to a Christless eternity and spend eternity separated from God in a real place called hell, and they could have experienced joy that can never be taken from them, but they never accepted Christ as their Savior. As we look to Jesus during Advent, and we look for the day of his return, we can experience joy even in the midst of pain. And we can know with confidence that even greater unending joy awaits us one day. We find hope and joy in what Jesus has done, and we find hope and joy in what we know he will faithfully do in the future. Joy overcomes our shame. We see the source of our joy. And then thirdly, joy defines our circumstances. There's one Defining characteristic we need of joy we need to take away this morning. This is it. Joy 
defines our circumstances. Here's what I mean. Happiness comes and goes with positive events and experiences, but joy flows deep in our hearts even during challenges, even during hardship, and even during suffering. Joy that comes from God, God with us, it sees the bigger picture. It sees beyond the pain. James 1-2 says this, As my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. How can James look at and say, Hey, guys, you should have joy when pain comes. Because as a believer, we can know that joy understands that there's more going on than meets the eye. That God is always at work in our lives, working in us and through us to mold us into the image of his son, to refine us and shape us and, and, and sanctify us. And he's working even in the difficult times of life. And look, we're going to see tonight, God works especially in the hard times of life. God always works in difficult times, and in difficult times, we can still have joy. See, joy knows that eventually God's going to make everything right. God's going to heal everything. He's going to make everything whole that's been broken, including us. And because of that, we can experience joy today, no matter how bad today looks, no matter how bad today feels, we can still experience joy. So what are the circumstances that you're facing right now as we journey towards Christmas. Look, I know Christmas is a time of, of happiness and, and joy and all these other things, but some of us this morning, we, we're safe, suffering a lot of pain towards Christmas. What situations are stealing your joy? Or the hurts and the pain that seems to control you? Now, you may not experience a, a miracle as clear as Elizabeth's, but in Advent, and in, there is a miracle for all of us. The miracle that God came to earth to be with us, to heal us, to forgive us, to redeem us, to restore us and to remove all of our pain and take it and turn it into good. Joy defines our circumstances. And fourthly and finally, we see finally that joy is a choice. Joy is a choice and joy, joy is an action. You have to decide that no matter what you're facing, you're going to experience the joy of God. Remember when Mary showed up at Elizabeth's house? Elizabeth was overcome with joy, and that spread to Mary. And here's what the Bible says. It says, And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. Now, there, the important words or the key words in those passages are the phrase, hath rejoiced. It is the active form of the verb, which means she is making a conscious decision to rejoice in what God was doing. Now, look, it was hard for Mary to rejoice in these situations because here she is. She is a, a single, unwed, pregnant woman. In this time, that was a death sentence. Yeah, she was engaged, but she wasn't married yet. Now, Elizabeth, I mean, she's got incredible joy because, I mean, she's an old woman having a baby. That's, that's, that's joy. People are like, oh, that's a miracle. But here you got Mary. It's like, oh, I'm the, I'm the virgin of Isaiah. And they're like, yeah, right. 
So she's, she's got some serious hard times coming. But she's like, no matter what's going on, I'm going to choose to rejoice in what God is doing through me. Mary was choosing and embracing joy in the role that she had been given by God, but she didn't have to. Mary could have looked at her situation differently. She didn't ask to be the mother of God's son. She didn't ask for the shame that was going to come the rest of her life as people, even years after Jesus is born and they see her and the rumors are still flying. And man, you know how bad rumors are? They never go away. She didn't choose that life, but she chose to rejoice in it. If she'd have been asked, she might have said no. But in Mary's words, we see her response. She rejoices because she chooses to. She chose joy. She focuses on the big picture that God's doing and embraces her role in what God's doing. We can do the same in the difficult situations of our life. We can choose to rejoice. We can choose to embrace joy and thank God for whatever it is he is doing in our life. We can embrace the miracle of God with us and align our vision with the work that he is doing in and through us. And look, the Bible is filled with verses telling us and encouraging us to rejoice, probably because we need lots of reminders to find joy in life. Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Romans 12.12, 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. And there are countless of verses that give the same message. We have reason for joy because God is with us, and because God is with us, no matter what we are facing, we can choose to have joy. So let's choose to make this season a season of joy. Let's rejoice as we await the arrival of Christ. Let's celebrate His birth with joy. God is with us, and that means that joy is with us. A joy that flows deep within us and flows from us because our King, our Savior, is with us. And He's always loving, He's always working, even in the hardships we face. So this season, no matter what you're facing, remember, there's joy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father,